In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, it is Getting Her to Yes, Part 2, The Game Plan. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Is Man versus Marriage. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, your humble servant, the cute dog in the studio, with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Jeannie? Yes, hello. It's great to have you. It's nice to talk in the microphone and stare at you. Um, welcome to episode number two of Getting Her to yes and i kind of have it sketched out and we were going to go through and make it formal but i actually want you to hear the guts of how this thing is is going to shape up so it's actually an episode that's going to sound more in some areas like a discussion and maybe negotiation or um a uh crap i just lost the word a discovery nah i can't I can't remember what I was going to say, but it was good. Whatever it was, trust me, it was good. So before we jump into that, make sure that you know that if you want to reach out to us, hey, come on, man, have the courage to do it, okay? You're not the only one out there struggling, and if you're not struggling, you know, celebrate the wins. Teach us. Help us learn, because obviously we do not know it all, and that's coach at manversusmarriagepodcast.com. And that's V like victory, S like success. I did not spell out verses. Or on Facebook, at MVSM Podcast. You can also look me up on uh, Instagram, which is where I spend most of my time, Quincy underscore Moran underscore. I am not hard to find. Thanks to Google and social media, I cannot hide from anybody. So here we are, and we just finished up an episode of Getting Her to Yes, and your advice to me was to let the cat, no pun intended, out of the bag and say that it started with sex. That was a dirty joke for me to start this thing yes, off. Yes, it was. And I'm actually proud of you for that. That's not normal for you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> um, so it started with sex, but really it it started before that. And sex was the common denominator because it's something that we both we're good at it uh, just leave it at that it's we, something we both need we both agree on and it's something that we've been really able to work through yeah it um, wasn't always it was not always a good place for us no. because i used to be about 400 pounds and that wasn't easy Okay, for those, obviously, you can't see us, so you have to picture Quincy is almost six feet tall and 400 pounds. I am five foot four and like 125, 130 at the time. So, and I had just had a whole bunch of babies. So, this was not always the best or the easiest thing to come by for us, no pun intended. But now, um, Joke number two. <laughs> it, I think a lot of it, though, changed over the years just because of your own personal choice to make changes for yourself. Yeah. Um, and it, it just spun from there, I think. So here's how the game plan goes and in, in in what we hope to accomplish here is to kind of outline 
how I kind of got to the point of making the suggestion, kind of the behind the scenes of how I got to the point of making the suggestion or having the courage to make the suggestion for Jeannie to listen to Kim Amani and, and where, where we had come in our relationship there. Um, and, um, going to the conference and what, what, what I want to accomplish is just some practical ways that I was able to figure out, you know, kind of what was going on with my wife in one aspect and start, uh, nurturing that so that she could find the courage to open herself up to me in that area. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, uh, when we were just talking a few minutes ago here in the studio, um, you were telling me, you know, kind of bringing it back, you know, sex is the one place that, you know, that we can, that we can go and, uh, we can meet each other. That's a place where we have some common ground and connection. And it's true. But really before that is there was a theme going on with you and whether it was frustration with the kids or, your personal health or what pregnancy and breastfeeding has done to your body um, or looking at yourself in the mirror or trying to make sure the house is running smooth or the kids have the right things they need for school or I fit the expected um, what I thought was the expected role of a wife. Yeah. All, all of those things. Um, the overarching theme or the true message behind that is that you felt like you were not enough. And that was really the story that you had created and were telling yourself, right? I felt like I couldn't keep up no matter what I did. Even if I did accomplish something during the day, it still wasn't everything that I wanted to accomplish. And so I had to, I decided I had to sacrifice myself mm-hmm. to do everything else. And in that, it just stuck me in a really dark place of no matter what I do, I'm not going to be enough. So I'm just going to give what I can and accept it. Right. And you, and I mean, just to be fair and, and open and honest, you know, before we got married, we loved sports. We loved fishing, the outdoors. We we connected on many, many levels, you know. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun. And then as life started to take over, somehow you started giving yourself away and had fallen into, into a depression for a while. Uh, yeah, I did. And, you know, that... That was a t- that was tough for all of us because it wasn't just depression. Other things started for you, and um, fortunately, you were able to work your way out of that. But the not enough, and it wasn't just for household chores and things like menial labor type things. It was feeling like you just weren't enough. At least that's the vibe that I caught. Whether it was for for me or the kids or um, the kids with autism or whatever it was it was everything there there were so many external voices contributing to my internal dialogue mm-hmm. that i just couldn't see past any of it i i could not see myself clearly right at all so what did uh what was it that you know and i like to come up with these little gimmicky sayings or th- you know things that um 
I don't know, just some, some kind of little saying that makes it easy for me to rem- remember. And it's find the need, plant the seed. That was my, that was my MO for how I could go along and start to speak to whatever this thing was that you were telling yourself that you were not enough because you are enough. And, you know, I even started to see things around the house that maybe the kids made for you that said, mom, you're enough or stuff on the wall that said you are enough. So I wanted to start reinforcing that. So not that I could gain some credibility with you, but just that we could kind of make a deeper level of connection and trust so that you would know whatever is going on that you would feel comfortable coming to me about that. And so, you know, just uh, working on sharing, even though you're not a podcast listener, if there was an Ed Milet video that really hit me way down deep, our, our podcast that I would come home and we would watch it um, on YouTube. TV, on YouTube, because you you just take it better that way as opposed to listening to a podcast. I need to see the person. I, reading is better for me, but if it's... Um, like I love the fact that Ed Milet has his on uh, YouTube because I like to see how his personality, mm-hmm. he's not fake. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when somebody is um, in front of somebody else and interviewing them and they've got their TV persona or their respectable talk host thing mm-hmm. going on. And it's like, I don't, I don't do BS. I just don't. I try very hard in everything that we do with our kids and and they'll tell you i've been in church buildings and yeah i let cuss words slip is it the smartest thing to do no but i am me no matter where i am or who i'm in front of i'm the same person in front of a teacher i'm the same person in front of your boss i i'm just i'm me and i value somebody who is genuine if you're not genuine don't talk to me yeah and and that's something that I admired about you from the beginning. You know, it aside from the incredibly gorgeous woman that you are, what attracted to me me to you was as the brown well, dress. That brown dress. <laughs> girl, that was not playing fair. Wow. Um but aside from that was your that streak in you of being a rebel, of not being somebody that would conform, um, you lived like I wanted to live, but I had I thought that there were way too many expectations for me that people had their expectations of how I, who I was supposed to be, and I had to live up to those. See, and that's why I rebel, because I don't know how to live up to somebody else's expectations, but at the same time, I didn't know what my expectations for myself were. Yeah, and for you, they translated into definite limitations yeah. for you. So what I what I started to do is when I heard something that in say Ed Milet or on a podcast I would kind of earmark those if you would and start to bring those to you because Ed does talk a lot at times with a lot of his guests whether it's comedy which we connect through comedy you know so Sebastian Meniscoca you know that became a that became a theme in our house. Get your hands out of the salsa. Get your claw. Get your claw out of the salsa. 
I um, come from a large Italian family, so his humor is right up my narrative perfectly. Right. One of the things that Ed Milet harps on, though, is that you are enough. You were created for great things. You do have greatness inside of you. And he would be an external voice because I feel like you already know that I believe that about you. Mm-hmm. But Ed, you know, having some of the guests that he does have, maybe it lends an outside level of credibility. And then so you started following Ed Milet, you know, and we would we had a place to connect there. So I was planting seeds in hopes that what you might see or hear when I would bring it up or when you would see it on Instagram would start building that connection of, wait a minute, I am enough. And that's that was like method one of me trying to help, trying to find ways to build some credibility in your mind for what I believed about you. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, most recently that Best Self book by Mike Bayer and just the, you know, some of the suggestions that he has that, you know, you take your anti-self and give them a name and then you know, you know, it's incredible what some of these people think of that are just such a practical idea that will help you get over some of these things that are holding you back. Oh, and it's so much fun to laugh at Susie be a bitch because <laughs> that's just, that That for me is just a, a, one of those points in my day where I can go, hmm, yep, that's, that's who that is. That's what that is. And I we can should, recognize it. We should make an episode sometime. Uh, I got it. I still have to do that exercise and I would love to <laughs> name my anti-self and give those qualities and name that person. It took me two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, so what I did was I started building um, those things, making a book suggestion, making a, uh, making a, a podcast suggestion, a YouTube suggestion, and, and just trying to fill your heart with things that would start to speak the narrative so that it would unlock something in your brain to make you, not to make you, but to help you start believing that you're enough. And then, and then I started asking questions. And those questions, I don't know if you remember on the podcast when it dated back, I just sat in front of you and started asking questions about what did I do? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you felt this way, what did I do? When it was hard for us, you know, and we were in that turning point in our marriage, what did I do to help you start trusting me? And you told me. I, I actually started showing up. Yeah. I was there. So that also gave me an indication of what you needed from me. So I tried. I, I, I didn't try. I just became to, I started being there more for those types of situations. One of the ways that I I just became there more was listening to you talk to the girls about what I do when I come home and what my routine is. Or you talking to someone about what happens when we're out in public and how I handle you in public so you feel safe. So I, I, I really got a hold of the awareness there that would build that trust in you so I could reinforce who am I to you and how can I help you in transforming to believe that you are enough for yourself, Mm -hmm. much less enough for me 
and this family and this world. And then by some stroke of genius, you decided to go for writing a book. And we worked together on that. And that gave us another place of connection. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't ever feed you any BS to manipulate you, but starting to praise you on how creative you are, how wonderful you are as a writer. Um, those were the seeds that I was planting so that you could actually begin to believe that you were enough. Mm -hmm. And when it started to grow, I think you were able to see it for what it was. But the fruit of what was growing, for us, the product of that was sex because that's where we go to connect. We both have physical love language. We both have physical touch as a, as a love language. Mm -hmm. And I know that's more than sex, but that is something that fortunately we share and we both greatly enjoy but both of us just, you know, deeply need that. Yeah. And it, it was also things that you did, um, that were small and simple, you know, the notes that you would leave on the mirror constantly reminding me that you thought I was beautiful or that, um, you know, there was a certain look in my eyes that you look forward to, or, um, you know, you started investing in getting us out and making me feel like I was important because you were taking time away from everything else for just me. And in the years before, it was a struggle to get a couple of hours out of the house because the kids were all so small. But as we started kind of moving through this thing with Rita, that became a priority, a non-negotiable. These are times that we need to have. Right. And even in that, it, it's a non-negotiable negotiable because we had to change how we did things that used to be a date night once a week. Now it's because of where our kids are in life and where your job is and how things are kind of going on around us. Now it's turned into no matter what, we take a weekend away a month, period. We take a weekend away, even if it's just a one night and we go do something that we enjoy and we love to do together. It's right now it's predominantly hockey because it's our season and I am a freak. But, um, even that, you know, in the beginning, football was your thing, and I hated it. I loved it in the beginning, and then somewhere in the middle, it was like, Ugh, if I never have to see Alabama football again, I'll be happy. You bite your tongue, woman. But <laughs> as we were going through these things, and the people you used to watch it with were going away, these relationships were changing, I stepped in to take that place because it was important to you. And I didn't want you to not enjoy something that you love and then it became something that I loved and I started actually learning it. And then hockey came up. You took me to my first hockey game and that kind of sealed the whole freaking deal for us because I love it. But it's just something that we connect on. It's another place that we connect on. But you even put value on things as simple as I, we could go get autographs from some of these guys because of the tickets that we got. Okay, cool. You were dead dog tired at the last one. We had to go out and take a nap in the car. We're the last people in line. Thank God other people came behind us. Another story. But you still stood there with me for two and a half hours, dog tired, so that I could get autographs for our son and for myself. And just because it made me happy. Mm -hmm. 
that's something that for me, it's like, okay, you value what I value. And it seems like something so petty because it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get an autograph from a kid. These guys are in their 18, 19, 20 to, years old. <laughs> it seems petty to who? It's just the there's way two, I look there's, at it. There's two people at the table. I don't, I, you know, we know there are, you know, hopefully will be plenty of people listening to the podcast. I can tell you neither one of the people at this table think that getting an autograph from uh, an athlete or a coach that you admire is petty. So... I guarantee I didn't even have the balls to go up and get an autograph from Nick Saban. My brother had to do it because I was so chicken. But that was what was cool this time. I've and that that's kind of where all this goes is I was confident enough this time. The first time we went and we got autographs and Cal Peterson signed my jersey, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was losing it. Yeah. Okay, twenty two year old kid, twenty four. I'm almost 42, and it's like, what the hell is this? But I was excited. I am a goalie girl. That's just what it is. But this next, this last time we went, we were having, con- I, I was full on having conversations with these guys. Like, I know them, and it's like, I do know them because I've been paying attention to what's going right. on and what their careers are and things. Um, you know, finding out that Matt Valalta, I'm looking at his pictures, and it's like, wait a minute. Is he a twin or a triplet? He's got to be one of the... There has to be. I, we're multiple parents. Hello. I don't miss these things. So when we got there, I'm like, okay, I got to know. I got to know. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I have an identical twin brother and then I have an older sister. And both of us were cracking up like, yeah, we have twins and triplets. Easy peasy. We get it. And the kid looked at us like we just dropped the biggest bomb on the table. <laughs> but it just proved to me my confidence is building. And it's all because you started pushing me in a direction and I wasn't susceptible to it at first but as we went along I mean look at the podcast I wanted nothing to do with this thing in the beginning Mm -hmm. and little by little it's like okay and now here we are and it's us Mm -hmm. well and that and that kind of speaks to when it comes to hockey you know one of your major one of your top love languages is quality time and what better quality time could I give you then what a, another thing that we connect the most on? We always know, okay, we, we're fortunate, you know, we have eight kids, but we still find the time to have sex at home. It's possible. Even with all the busyness of life, it's but still it possible. But it ain't like a weekend away. But we know <laughs> when we're planning a weekend away that... It's all hanging out. You feel me? You see what I'm saying? We're going to get, we are going to come home more exhausted than when we left because we get to just do us. And that, and all, in, all those puns intended there. But now, not only do we connect, you know, physically and emotionally in our sex life, but we do this through hockey as well. And so, quality time for you is game changer. Yeah. And I think it has become, you know, it's become one of the leaders in what's transforming our relationship because if it's not us and the kids going to the game, it's you and I going to the game. It's an hour and a half away. So we have time to drive and talk and connect we go, we scream, we get excited about the violence 
you know, the game. <laughs> we talk about the players. We talk about the moves, what's going to happen in Ontario, what's going to happen in L.A. And then on the way back, we may talk about the game, but then we get back into talking about us and life. And I believe that what Gary Chapman says is true. When the love tank is full, there there's just a greater sense of openness and a greater level of trust and these are the things that I looked at that I'm that I was doing cuz I had to take my hands off of holding you accountable little did little did I know that it was never really about the accountability it was about something else which is generally the case now accountability you weren't having it so there was definitely something there with accountability and some things we had to work through um with Rita, but we never got to that place until now where you said, this is something I want for you. Mm -hmm. And what a change that is, but it's not something that just happens. I'm very big. I'm very big into doing things on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose was to build you into believing that you were enough. And little did I know that, this would turn into something where you would you would discover in searching yourself that there was a hidden fortress there and you went to find out what it was you discovered it and then you blew the thing to pieces yeah and and the thing of it is it it didn't we weren't always where we could in a position where we could just take off for a weekend and go to hockey games whenever we wanted um and honestly we don't go all the time it sounds like it but it's very strategically planned but the thing is when we started this 10 years ago Quincy started with just taking me to dinner and having intentional conversations we talked about the kids for a few minutes and then he stopped the conversation and we switched it to us where do we want to go is there anything that we want to do are there any issues going on You know, maybe we had some money stuff that was happening and we needed to discuss it. But we always made that a a point of conversation where we didn't just do business. We didn't just do family stuff. We made it our time. Um, In the beginning, we started with Rita's homework because we didn't know how to have a conversation. Right. We, We struggled with that, but we needed that connection. And then it turned into, you know, every few months we would go away for a weekend if we got away with it or maybe a night. And then you took me away to Alabama for five days, which rocked my freaking world. I'd never been to a football game, college football game. That was the bomb. And it also ignited my desire to learn about the game and Mm -hmm. about the players and get more involved because I understood why you liked this so much, Mm -hmm. but it took building up to those things and purposefully putting experiences in there that we could connect on. And now they're, they're anchored memories. San Diego is a turning point. Mm-hmm. That has always been an, an anchor in how we got to where we are. So it, I, I'm saying that because if you guys are trying to figure out how do I go from where we are to the connection you guys have at a hockey game, it was small steps. It wasn't always like this. This is where we are now. Yeah. Take the wins. Take the wins. Celebrate the wins. 
and then try to duplicate them. I mean, I don't want to say that you have to duplicate them in magnitude each time, but just try to create an atmosphere of winning, and you're going to fail. You will fail, and there will be hard times, and sometimes the trip is not going to meet your expectation because I got into this cycle, you know, San Diego saved our marriage. Yeah, no doubt. Um, And I got into this cycle of what am I going to do to make the next trip bigger than San Diego and then bigger than that trip and bigger than that trip. And that was a narrative in my own mind where I thought I had to live up to something instead of just letting something happen. Now, you know, there are intentional surprises that you can create to, to go along with that, but it's really just sowing into the ground so that you can plant those seeds and then find, you know, after you find what the needs are and things will start to grow. I put a lot of unneeded pressure on myself. And finally, when I shared that, you know, with you, it was like, you never expected that. And it's something that I, it was an expectation I set for myself that was unrealistic. I think a lot of times we do that though. We we're trying to meet an expectation we think is there so we're trying to do our best to meet it the way we think we know how. And it's really not the case. And it boiled down to, as simple as it sounds, ask questions. Mm-hmm. What do you need? Where are you at? How can I help? You know, that the biggest one for us lately is where are you at in this? Mm-hmm. Where's your thought process? How can I help you? Are there speed bumps here that we need to discuss? It's not an invasive question. Right. So it, it's not one of those, it's not like, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Or why are we here? Or what? why is a very sketchy question and can be misfired big time? Right. It's more of a, how are you doing with this? And then shut up and listen, because that's where your spouse begins to tell you what's in their heart. A lot of it might stay hidden for a while, but just take what the defense gives you. Keep digging. It's there. Keep digging. Don't push. You know, be subtle, but take what the defense gives you, and that's that's how you win when you when you get on that offensive attack, and you're just winning. You know, three yards in a cloud of dust, right? I was gonna say five yards at a time. That's how that's how we look at it. Five yards <laughs> at a time, boys. Just take it five yards at a time. Man, I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it was a, a great creative episode for us and for us to talk through what led up to this particular shining moment um, of getting her to yes. Would love your feedback. Uh, so please drop us a line. Let us know how you took it, what your perspective is, and maybe how we can get better. Share a win with us. And uh, thank you again for you know rating the podcast. It helps. And we appreciate all you do and that you're giving us the opportunity to speak into your life. You rock. You super stud. Until next time, Man Versus Marriage, the podcast. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You got to live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man Versus Marriage, the podcast.